All right, because three is a crowd. Hey. I'm here today, as always, in the bunker with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? It's so good. How are you? We're doing great. This is an episode of <laughs> speed and of wit, because I'm stupid and I forgot to bring my power cable. After 30 episodes, you would think you are an expert podcaster. You do everything <laughs> I, I perfectly. No, I fucking totally forgot. And inexplicably last night i was just like i'm just gonna go down this weird youtube hole and like do reading and stuff in my bed because it's raining outside and it's beautiful now it's not on fire anymore so i was like yeah gonna get under the covers and have a great time put it next to my bed never charged it we currently have 42 (laughs) percent we will podcast until this computer dies unless it takes hours and hours unless it takes hours and hours which I might turn up the brightness as we go. Let's just force the issue. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just turning it up. We're going to see how far we can push this thing. But anyways, we are here today, episode fucking 30. We've done this 30 weeks in a row. That's how old you are. That's how, oh my God. It's all coming together. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. (laughs) Kelly has heard roughly the same amount of tracks as there were years in the 30 years war. Oh, okay. Okay. Is maybe someday on 1986's Knocked Out Loaded. Or as many years as you've been alive. Or as many years as I've been alive. There you go. Maybe someday you'll be satisfied. When you've lost everything, you'll have nothing left to hide. When you're through running over things, like you're walking across the track. Maybe you'll beg me like a dog to take you back. Maybe someday you'll find out everybody's somebody's fool. Maybe then you'll realize what it would have taken to keep you cool. All right, so that was Maybe Someday, uh, if you've still got eardrums and everything is good. Uh, that was recorded – this song is unique so far. We haven't had – Bob Dylan, we've talked a whole lot about how he goes into a studio and records an album. He records a record. This is a period of his life where he was just unclear of what technology could do to his music. And I think in some ways turning his back on technology has proved to be fruitful for him. Recording live has brought back some of the great sounds that we hear today. This was all overdubbed. This was an instrumental that was recorded in 1984 for the 1985 record that Empire Burlesque was wearing the funny jacket. Mm. It was recorded for that album. And then two years later, it was like putting it in a fucking rust, rust sack. Rust sack. Rucksack? Putting it in a ru- rucksack. Jesus. Just or a backpack. tote bag. Oh my God. Putting it in a tote. And yeah, just carrying this like dumb song as we go forward. Uh, <laughs> that's just the way that I see it. I mean, this started out as a song called Prince of Plunder, which is kind of a fun title. But when it came back around, the lyrics were totally changed. I mean, it's pretty, just the, pretty much the melody and just kind of the... Like, there's nothing wrong with what we're hearing. It's just, like, generic rock. It's, like, the same... Oh, there's same some, some wrong things cor- about Oh, there's this. a lot of wrong. Yeah. We'll get to the music in a moment. <laughs> but, like, it is just really inoffensive. I mean, beyond his voice and maybe the backup... Okay, it's quite offensive, actually. This song is quite offensive. But <laughs> but in theory, it's just kind of a generic butt rock song. There's really nothing to it. No. No. It's, it's the same chords over and over again. Um, do you want to guess how many times that he's played this song live? Please never. Please never. Never. He's Thank never God. played it live. So for what it's worth, the credits uh, on, on Knocked Up Loaded, which came out in 1986, 
Uh, credit the lineup of Don Heffington on drums, Mike Campbell played guitar on this god awful record, and Howie Epstein on bass. Although there was only one interaction of the three together, and so with all this mangling and re-recording and overdubbing and shit, who knows what's been lost? You know, you're listening to like, who knows who's playing guitar? Who knows who's playing drums? Because he had other people come in and do sessions. So. If we have this idea of a band, it's completely lost at this point. You said lost twice now. Oh, fuck yeah, lost. What's up? I can't. Yeah. We sit way too far apart for this tour. Maybe we'll have to change that in the future. Of course, uh, this is on Knocked Out Loaded, as I've said. Perhaps Bob Dylan's worst. It's also a contender for his worst record album cover. That it's album like cover weird is and racist. Insane. It's bad. Uh, it is a reworking of a 1939, January of 1939 cover of Spicy Adventure Stories. <laughs> sure. Sure. Sure it is. Uh, it's just god awful. It's just the color palette is shit. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as Michael Gray notes, quote, an album title suggesting that its contents were thrown together when Dylan was drunk bodes ill by its very defensiveness. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love the France. They just know how to fucking write. Uh, yeah, and and Dylan being Dylan, uh, but this time being correct, he described the album as, quote, all sorts of stuff, not really having a theme or a purpose. And then he's quoted in uh, Howard Soon's book, Down the Highway, The Life of Bob Dylan, as saying, quote, if the records I'm making only sell a certain amount anyway, then why should I take so long putting them together? It's a good, 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 way, to, good way to think about things, Bob. Uh, this record came out on July 14th, 1986. But from records and stuff like that, I think this is from Highland, it wasn't even clear that this was even going to make the record um, before, what is it, May 14th, 1986. So literally oh, two months before the record's out, they don't even know if the song is going to be a part of it. And if you think any of the rest of the songs are going to be gems, uh, you would be correct because there is one Brownsville girl on that record that is like an encapsulation of everything. And we'll, we'll get into the words and stuff and the references that he uses but it really is – if you just stripped away everything and just had Brownsville Girl and, and he just conceded the point that like I haven't done anything but this is what I've done over the course of four years of being lost and putting out all this bullshit, that's worth it. That one song is worth all of this trouble. But when he starts taking those ideas and putting them into minor songs like this, then we're, we're in trouble. And that's what this song is. It's like – you already you already perfected it with New Brownsville Girl or New Danville Girl, which became Brownsville Girl. So this song is kind of atrocious. So Kelly, I don't know if you have anything to even talk about this week. I don't. I didn't research anything. Well, what would you even research? That's kind of the the weird thing. You know, I don't there's... know because maybe someday is really vague. Like, what am I supposed to do? Research the word someday or the word maybe? No, well, no, you don't. Have to... It's never been that literal. I know, but like there wasn't even anything in the lyrics that I cared about. This song sucks. Yeah. I didn't really want any part of it. Also, I've had a terrible week. So I was busy, man. Can't always have a terrible week, though. I mean, it has been a particularly terrible week. But Are you implying that I always have a terrible week? No, but sometimes you do. I mean, you say you do. (laughs) And you have actually had some pretty terrible weeks. Yeah, well, things are getting better. Yeah. Things are getting better. Yeah, it's just been been a weird time all around. This is our first instance not only of like a weird overdubby song. But also of like this period of Bob Dylan's career. I think a period we were not looking forward to that much, and now it's here. And I don't think we were ready for it. Mm-hmm. I think we were in a celebratory mood, and this really just kind of pissed all over our parade. Yeah, I think the song was really appropriate for the week I was having, in that it was weird and not good. 
that is good. If you're having a weird and not good day, this is your soundtrack. So I was curious about 80s Bob because you had talked about, you know, 80s synth Bob. But I was really, really hopeful that it was going to be more like The Cure or, you know, The Violent Femmes. Uh, unless like a bad version of Huey Lewis in the news, which is, I mean, this is, that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like really not good. Uh, I mean, I love Power Love. That's what I'm saying. But this is a, a bad version of the same kind of aesthetic that yeah. dumb synthy rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really pop. Dumb. Yeah. Tame. Not good. Yeah. Not, not a lot to it. No. Uh, the picture on the front of my book, though, is arbitrarily <laughs> from uh, Arches National Park in Utah. That I got by Googling maybe someday. Oh. Um, and How do you think that would even have happened? Right? So I looked up maybe someday, and then I looked for ones that are <laughs> labeled for reuse. And this picture came up because it's used in an article about a book series. Um, yeah, if you go to the national parks over the last – I mean, even like this time last year, I was in Teddy Roosevelt National Park uh, in North Dakota. And they have these, yeah, beautiful series of – of vintage These posters are gorgeous. Posters. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Well, and when you go to the place, you could buy like a, you know, a big poster. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just a poster, rollout poster, but like a prints. Yeah, the big prints. Of, yeah. You know, so they're not rolled up. Oh, they're just good. sitting there in a bin, and you can, and they have different size prints. So if you go to the the specific national park near you, you can pick up. A local one, but they do have a book where you can look through all these old ones, and they kind of just go. I think most of them. I think the book actually goes in order of when they became national parks. So it starts with Yellowstone and goes all the way through. And oh, cool. Is, they're gorgeous. They're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, this one ran, I guess, between 36 and 39. Yeah. For the uh, Arches one for Utah. But yeah. I guess there's a book series called The Adventure Girls, written by Clear Whoa, Blank. Nice. Um, who was the author of the Beverly Gray stories, if that means anything to anybody. Uh, it was a series in 1936. Well, so it makes sense. And it was about, um, specifically, I guess, The Adventure Girls at K-Bar O, one of the books. Uh, it was about kind of sightseeing and tourism, American tourism during yeah. that time. So I guess that's why this picture was used in the article. Fun. So like, yeah, that's what popped up when I searched maybe someday. For You know what else came up? Some fucking gross fan art of My Little Pony. <laughs> Nasty as you want it. So don't Google. Well, what do you think those books are like? <laughs> Just to like throw this book under the bus. It's probably like. It was written then, but it was written by a woman. So I'm kind of like. Might not well, I be. think there's plenty of women that swallow whole. About American exceptional. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been awful women. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, like, maybe it's not as, like... I think we're going to look into it. Yeah. That sounds really fun. Maybe someday. Rooting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Maybe someday. Just saying. Maybe someday we'll do it. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it on our website. Probably. Who knows? What Probably. were you about to yell? That was really exciting. Uh, I don't know, actually. Because <laughs> after you stopped me, I was like, yeah, I don't really... Whatever I was going to yell didn't come out the way I thought it Something would. Something you were about to say, Rudy. Is that a, a movie? Yeah, Rudy. But you do like, Rudy. Ru-. That was not what I was going for. That was a movie, though, right? It's a sports yeah, movie. It was Sean Astin. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. Can you take us out on feet? Rudy. Oh, hey. Is he the one that's in The Hobbit? Uh-huh. The Hobbit movies? Yeah, he's Sam. Also known as Lord of the Rings? Samwise. Yeah, okay. Samwise Game Changer. But more importantly, he was in Encino Man. Yeah. So. That is more important. And also Culturally, Goonies. That is. Goonies, most important. Well, Goonies, especially here. Yeah. Definitely most important. <laughs> <laughs> Having been to the Goonies house before they took it off the... Can't go to it anymore. Well, really? They put up a tarp. Yeah, you can't even take pictures of it. No shit. Yeah. People were just being... Douche, douche I never bags. actually went there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It might be open up again now. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. one of those things that just kind of ebbs and flows. Well, that's, man. Yeah, because they would have a sign out front that's just like, 
Goonies, abandon your cars, you know, just come up and oh, just walk yes. up and take pictures and someone fucking lives here. So right. don't like go on their property and be a dick. Right. So I'm sure that's what happened. And well, that's too bad. Down. I know people are the worst. So we never get to have fun. Well, do you want to talk about the song real quick? Yeah, let's talk about the song. So let's just kind of logically go through it, I think. So let's start with the music. Michael Gray, who we've already heard in this podcast with his great fucking British quotes, which are amazing. He likens this, and I think he's being really generous, to Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Oh. Yeah, and he, it, which you can kind of hear the weird jangliness of it. Like, okay. In a different world, if we took world. out all the synth and the... Well, and then he made a point about the lyrics, too, which I think are fine, because, like, I... There is so much turning me off from the song that you don't even, even try to investigate the lyrics. And the, this is pretty standard shit, because this is a song, again, you hear Bob that first second... Checking out. No, 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 no. It, it just starts. There's literally no, 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 no. no stop. Why does the song start in the middle? I don't understand. It's very strange. And a lot of people liken that too. They're like, what's up with the first verse? Like, compared to the rest of them, it's like another weird moment where it just like doesn't make sense. And, and this verse like shouldn't have actually been on the record, but is on the record. And what's going on? This, this is how I felt about the first part of the song. It sounds like someone's trying to and failing to start a car. Oh, yeah. Firstly. The song starts and then trips over itself because it starts in the middle and then it doesn't know what tempo it is and it yeah. or wants to be. Also the synth horns. Oh, my God. Oh, it's bad. And it's actually a real saxophonist. I, is it? Yeah. Why do they make it sound like that? Because it's 1986. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Michael Gray, just to bring this all back to him because he's doing a great job, he says, it, yours was a good starting a car. That's hilarious. His is, quote, a song would be terrific. That's a stretch. But but it would be a better song uh, if his voice weren't halfway to sounding like a Chipmunks parody of Dylan recorded <laughs> from the far side of a football field. <laughs> <laughs> he really lays into that Chipmunks parody, which you can hear it now. Somewhere in instantly. the background. Be I want a hula hoop. Or sing it. We can hardly no, no. Sing this song. Oh, God. As a Chipmunk. Oh, <laughs> the Christmas song. I can't. Because his, it just, no, just all I can it. hear is a... That's fine. Just do it. Maybe some... I can't. <laughs> uh, he also notes, and I think it's really important to bring it up, the recording quality. Uh, and he references a song, which is just Bob and a Piano, uh, in 1964 on another, on another side of Bob Dylan um, called Black Crow Blues. And it's a great song, but he, he basically just took that song. I don't know why. Maybe it came up in an entry before. But he was like, listen to that song from 64. I woke in the morning wondering where I am worn out. I woke in the morning wondering where I am worn out. My long lost lover would walk to me, talk to me, tell me what it's all about. This song, which is happening later, and he called it simply pathetic between the two. And he said, quote, listen to the disparity between the recording quality of um, Arthur Alexander's 1959 one track tape deck cut of Sally Sue Brown. And Bob Dylan's 1987, which was something that could have been on this record, 1987, 24 or 48 track cut of the same song. Alexander's voice is, as Dylan's once was, right there. 
Dylan seems to be flailing around inside of a dishwasher. <laughs> Amazing. Love it. And we talked about that too. Like, I think there was, uh, I forget what exactly the song was, but I liked it because it felt like he was right in my face. You know, yeah. that, that Bob Dylan, when you strip away the artifice and it's just him singing right to you, that's my Bob Dylan. That's what I love. And obviously it's easy when you just have a guitar and you just have a piano. Like that, that he should be front and center. But when you can do that with multiple other instruments, it's a success. I mean, you listen to something like this and then you listen to even the things we've just listened to. John Wesley Harding. Yeah. Four time around. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it sounds great. amazing. Amazing, yeah. Because it's people in a room playing. And that's Bob Dylan. That's Bob right now. He's just second-guessing everything. I mean, we want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he really just doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. Well, There's nothing like that. that's inspiring him. He got one song. He got one song out of all this time, which you can certainly hang an entire career to if you weren't already Bob Dylan. Anybody would have killed for that song, Brownsville Girl. But – he felt like he had to keep putting stuff out or, or he – again, it's that, that money thing. He just wanted money, just more money. Just keep the coffers coming. Pay for all my kids and all my wives and all my <laughs> shit. I mean it's like – it's just a very work-a-day dude who's just like I need to keep making music. I mean he said it right there in that quote. You know, If it all sells the same, the same people are listening, what do I care? The tempo gets figured out after the first verse is really Yeah, bad. yeah. First verse is bad. It's almost, again, like it wasn't supposed to actually be there. Yeah, it's like it was a false start that they just kept going with kept for going. some reason. Um, no, I don't really have anything else. It's just bad. It's not, it's, it's really uninteresting. Nothing changes. The song's really boring. Uh, I mean, like, it's not to say that you have to change it up all the time, but like the song's just too long and relentlessly repetitive. Oh, and it's kind of a blessing that it's only three minutes because. When I when I pull up pull up the lyrics, it, it, it's a long it's song. Huge. That's what, it feels so much longer than it is because he doesn't stop he talking. Never stops. And There's you no breath. Taught me a word last week that I forgot. Oh, yeah. About a word that doesn't where it doesn't have a chorus or like anything repeating. Strophic. strophic. Oh, strophic. Strophic. Like catastrophic. Yeah, strophic. Strophic. Right. Okay. Strophic. Strophic. There's not a damn hook or chorus to be found in the lot in all the oh, verses and all the words. Oh my god. He does say maybe someday. Okay. At least a little bit of a hook. All right. That's maybe someday. This poor backup singers. Also, that part's terrible when they're like, aha, 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 aha. That's what I'm saying. Relentlessly repetitive. Relentlessly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh fuck. Yeah. No. I mean, like um, Clinton Highland said, beneath layers of techno techno gunk. And a snarling vocal that does the song Precious Few Favors hides a decent little ditty. They're on a different wavelength than than we are. Because for me, it doesn't – it really doesn't hold up to that scrutiny. Like I don't think this is some lost gem of a song that some people like really want it to be. Because again, we – I think at this period of time, we really want Bob Dylan – we want to believe some things are kind of hard truths about Bob that – he would eventually come to, mm. but he is not here at this moment. This is post Christian Bob. Yeah, this is well, this is well after. Yeah. Oh, because there's definitely some godness. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing too that really always gets me, and really that's why Bob has been consistent throughout all these years. That when they throw down the thirty pieces of silver, I mean, how many songs so far? We've had thirty songs. That is we've that a done. Bible thing? Jesus, Judas, thirty <laughs> takes the thirty pieces. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. okay. We've done Judas like. <laughs> Four times, four out of 30. That's big. I mean, that's a constant theme, not only for Bob, but just of like, you know, the friend turning their back on the friend. I mean, how many mo- how many stories have been told about that? Right. You know, and that's not originating with the Bible by any means, but certainly it resonates um, in, in this world. And yeah, so I find it weird when he just 
throws in the Bible out of nowhere. And that's the thing, too, about, like, this whole knocked up loaded. And that's why, like, on a, in a different world, the coherency of the record could be there. If it was a song that was drenched in old movies and old quotes and stuff, like I think, in, like when, when you get to love, um, love and theft, where he's quoting a bunch from old like Civil War journals, and then he like has like Japanese movies, and he's like he's all over the place, like grabbing all these references. It's a success because there's like a coherence to the whole thing. Bob's doing the very same thing here, but I think it's just to fill out two lines in an eight in an eight you know structure block verse that's all he's doing because that's what he's doing here he is throwing references left and right and he's also a spiteful person yeah he's also like just being salty about an ex so salty (laughs) yeah right off the bat i mean just to start it i mean maybe someday you'll be satisfied when you've lost everything you'll have nothing left to hide and that's like whiffs of like like a rolling stone which he already fucking wrote this idea is not foreign to anybody like you get broken up with by your ex, you're gonna talk some shit. Okay. What do you realize? You left somebody behind exactly. that like could have saved your ass, and I'm too good for you anyway. So bye. Yeah, that's what this fucking song. And then is. you go home and cry. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bob's almost crying by the end of this song because he's just. Maybe you were right. Maybe you were right. <laughs> or or you really comfort yourself in that like, our love really was pure, but not for this world. I mean, that's how it ends. It's just like, you know, there was never a love greater than what I had for you. Because in the end, like. I'm going to let you go, but I'm the bigger person, even though I spend this whole time like harping at you from down below because you've moved on with your life. And, oh, yeah, also, just, the narrator was totally the dump E in this situation. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. The whole thing is the dump E. And, and, but like, like a Rolling Stone has the same whiff of this where it's like sort of in a sense explaining these hard truths to this like pampered individual. But obviously like a Rolling Stone is a complete smashing fucking success. And to do – to do that again 25 years later – well, 20 years later, it, why? I want to listen to that song. I know, right? God, that will be a big one. You said it so much and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, Bob Dylan, he spins a lot of really cool phrases here. A lot of things I really like, like when he says, uh, someday maybe you will understand that something – no, that's not what Is everybody's right. plan? Is everybody's plan. Yeah. Oh, that something for nothing is everybody's plan. Yeah, it's a pretty cynical overview of the world. You know? Yeah, I did like that because it was – it conjured instantly like – you think you're special. Everybody wants everything for yeah. free. Everybody wants yeah. the same thing. Like, like, it's a great turn of phrase. And I, I really like my, – probably my two favorite lines are uh, – is really uh, – the fourth verse, which I want to get into really quick, is really great. But when he says, always was a sucker for the right cross. Yeah. I so it's really... almost like this weird veneer of like self-reflection and honesty where he's saying like, I've always been one to follow. I'm not sure. But that entire verse actually is really, really interesting. So I'm just going to quote it and play it. love that last line because – and it's been brought up elsewhere. Tony Atwood does a great he, – he's another true believer in this song. But he's got a great recitation on this whole thing. But I've always thought of that line and, and he does as well. I'm sure other people do. That's fascinating. Like who is he talking to in that? Because he could very well be talking to me and maybe less so to you. But to his <laughs> fans just saying, boy, isn't it funny how I got you to follow me throughout all these years mm-hmm. and here's this shit fucking song. That you're trying to break down and make into something 
that I made it so easy for you to follow me. That I've just been a mysterious weirdo on purpose <laughs> because it drives record sales. It makes you go out and buy huge box sets. And uh, yeah, so I think that's a weird like, oh, you feel a little bit of a, an affront. You don't want to believe it from Bob, but it's totally true. And I love that. I thought that was a really interesting thing. But yeah, a lot of spite. And um, and even at the end, yeah, he just sort of um, yeah, just sort of gives it all in. Uh, in terms of like references, if you want to do that really quick. Um, there's a line that says, through hostile cities and unfriendly towns. Uh, that's a reworking of T.S. Eliot, who later on we'll see that he does enjoy T.S. Eliot. Is Elliot's. that an author? Uh, yeah, it's an old poet from the 1920s. Oh, okay. uh, he wrote, uh, he was actually in Fools. Oh. Um, April, uh, T.S. Eliot wrote The Wasteland. April is the cruelest month. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, Journey of the Magi, 1927. Uh, and so Bob writes, uh, through hostile cities and unfriendly towns, and the line in that is, and the city's hostile and the town's unfriendly. So just straight turn it around. Um, a movie called Separate Tables, 1958. Sure. The line um, from for Bob Dylan is, forgive me, baby, for what, I, for what I didn't do, for not breaking down no bedroom door to get at you, uh, comes from that movie. Burt Lancaster says it to his ex-wife. Uh, he says, quote, he didn't break any bedroom door to get, at, get to you. Hmm. So that's where he got that from. If all I wanted to do was make my husband a slave, why would I have chosen you and not the others? You were reaching into another class. You were looking for Wilder game. You remember that expression you used when you introduced me to your friends? My wild, roaring savage? That was always good for a laugh. To turn your weapons on him, to, to make him sit up and beg at the whispered promise of what was his by right anyway. To goad him to such a fury of drink and rage that he'd kick open the locked door of your bedroom and damn near kill you. That really must have been fun. Uh, and then there is the line about San Francisco. The oh, only place in there. That made me so upset. Because it was just so dumb. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no. Well, he actually pulled it straight from a, a movie. So well, that makes me kind of feel better because, like, what a dumb line. Oh, San Francisco. I went to a party there. I know. <laughs> yeah, I always liked San Francisco. I was there for a party once. Turns out uh, to come from Out of the Past, 1947. Kurt Dunlis asks, Do you know San Francisco? And Robert Mitchum mumbles back, I've been there to party once. Oh, all right. So just put them together. Well, some other time then. How long have you been in town, Mr. Bailey? I don't really know. You're on business? You might call it that. Where are you from, the South? No. Tahoe. We must go, Jeff. All right. Your uh, cousin is a very charming young lady. No, he isn't. His name is Norman, and he's a bookmaker in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. And then the final one that people uh, noted online, I've never heard or seen of any of these movies, uh, is from a Humphrey Bogart movie, Sabrina. No gentleman makes love to a servant in his mother's house. And in the, in the song, it becomes no gentleman likes making love to his servant, especially when he's in his father's house. Why the mother and father thing? Hmm. Who the fuck knows? We switch on the dictaphone and say, buy all of Cleveland and move it to Pittsburgh. You must be awfully clever. Well, it's nothing really. Just a small knack like juggling three oranges. It isn't oranges, it's millions. Suppose you drop one. Suppose I did. What's at the end of a million? Zero, 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 nothing. Circle with a hole in it. Sabrina. Yes, Highness. Can you keep a secret? Secret? Yes, of course you can. I want you to uh, look out there, uptown. You see the French Line Pier? Yes. You see the boat? Yes. That's the Liberté. It sails on Thursday. I'm going to be on it. 
You are? Yes, I am. I'm sick of pushing buttons, sick of secretaries, sick of this office. I'm breaking out of here, Sabrina. I'm running away. Good for you. I've been thinking about Paris ever since you mentioned it. It's all your fault, Sabrina. It'll make a new person out of you, I guarantee, or double your money back. Oh, Linus, I'm so glad you're going. Or am I? That's why we dive deep into who and what Bob Dylan is even fucking thinking. So, yeah, those are all the references. Those are kind of what I think about the song. It's pretty straightforward. It's a salty dude. That's yeah. It. Just kind of break it up and not willing to take You're going to regret the this. But also, you're amazing, but you're going to regret it. Yeah. I'm Bob Dylan, didn't you know? <laughs> oh, you do. And you just don't care. Damn. I wouldn't care either. In fact, I don't. Have you listened to Knocked Out Loaded? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about anything. So any final thoughts? Yeah, this was a bad, bad song. It was not fun to listen to. No. Um, of all the 80s, I'm disappointed that our first one is not downloaded. <laughs> it is just a universally reviled record and, and a personal. I, I'm on Rate Your Music, and you get to like label your 0. .51, 1.52 star records or whatever. Okay. So when you like... You know, give us that thing a four star for me. I think that's like bringing it all back home. And then like five star for me was I think Highway 61 revisited. So it's just kind of a fun little tag thing. My 0.5 star is knocked out loaded. Nice. So whenever you click and give something a 0.5 star underneath of it, it's knocked out loaded. It's my <laughs> just straight up yeah, measuring albums by how terrible this is. Nice. Yeah, it's completely. Well, it's cute that you get to make your own little like little measurement system. Yeah, they're coming out with a, a brand new platform for that called Sunemic. That should be coming out soon. I'll probably talk about it when we get to it because I've been on Rate Your Music for since 2006. So every record that I listen to, everything that I do is just tracked there and I keep track of all my rankings and stuff. This is not the lowest. Wow. There are songs worse than this. But may we always remember this. Episode 30. We worked 30 weeks to get right here. Wow. Doesn't that make you feel good about your life and your choices? Wow. <laughs> All right, so that is all. So, Kelly, beyond listening to Maybe Someday um, and dreaming about other things, how was your week? What else did you uh, do? What else did you have in it? I've been too busy. Too and busy I, for culture. Too busy for culture. Yeah, I haven't really done anything. I don't know, we finished iZombie. I'm talking about that for the like, eighth week in a row. Um, and I've just been listening to all of query i think she has like nine episodes out now of the podcast yeah and it's just so good it like makes me want to cry because it's so good i know i already recommended it but like i can't stop listening to it cameron esposito is doing really important work for uh the queer community and i just love her to death i'm so excited i get to go see her and her wife performed tomorrow and like we should talk about that next week yeah that's the only thing that's been really getting me through this week it's just like tomorrow i get to go see cameron esposito and butcher new comedy and it's gonna be amazing that's it that's what i've been doing i guess that's great just liking them listening to queens of the stone age a little bit but we'll talk about that next week we definitely will we definitely will so i want to recommend a record by a band called choke up called stormy blue um they're like a they were like a hardcore punk band back on their old record uh that was called black coffee bad habits really good 2015 this new record is like it's like gaslight anthem where if they were like a hardcore band and then they went and did the 59 sound where they're playing like slower melodies and it sounds like it's coming out of like a 50s jukebox type of thing it's really weird (laughs) from a band that will even on the stormy blue go from that to like a sort of a melodic hardcore song right afterward it's a really weird vibe that's going on but i really 
really dug it. So I don't know, out there in the world, you might actually uh, like that. I do have to throw out the Bootleg Series Volume 13. News just dropped about it. Trouble No More. Oh, yeah. That's the thing you told me about. Yeah. So this is uh, 1979 to 1981. So this is the uh, Slow Train Come and Saved and um, Shot of Love. Those three records are going to get the Uber treatment. So we're going to get a lot of rehearsals. We're going to get a lot of live cuts from those shows, which are frankly incredible. If you haven't, if you, if you don't find yourself interested in it, I highly recommend watching the two minute trailer that BobDylan.com put out, mm-hmm. where they where they take just him doing performing in like high HD quality, uh, like three or four songs, just like little snippets of all of them. It is amazing. It's very much Bob Dylan, and I think that's like really what Columbia is trying to sell is that this is very much a man. He's here. Wasn't this time really weird? Aren't you old enough now that you can probably go back and be okay? Do you want to buy this box set? Yeah, that's Columbia. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for most of us say, no, thank you. Do you want to buy this box set? It's okay. We're into the box set. Uh, I'm, so low-key, I'm really excited to listen to it. We're probably just going to do a really quick overview. If anything, we might listen to just the two-disker, but we're definitely going to be using – I'm really excited about that – using all of those cuts from the eight-disc CD collection to uh, pepper all of those songs as we get to them. So we're going to have really high-quality live and rehearsal and demos. Oh, so if anything, we'll just have more versions of those Oh, songs. absolutely. Yeah, I didn't all think of about those, that. Yeah. yeah, so it's like cutting edge. It's perfect because if we did this podcast three, four years ago – we would be we would be dealing with like imagine listening to I want you and all of that all those rundowns that sounded like shit mm-hmm. or they were incredibly hard to find uh, at, le- at the very least we will have great examples to pull from so I'm really excited about that and then finally I want to recommend something if you're looking to do this is not music related or anything it's something called Ten Q where every I've been doing this since 2010 in September every year you get emailed one question a week for ten days. So one a day for 10 days and you fill it out and they're usually like, what did you accomplish this year? Huh. Uh, what was like the biggest event that happened in your life? What was a family event? What, what, what are your predictions for next year? What is all that? So they ask you these pointed questions like, what did you learn this year? What sort of spiritual or emotional like, you know, so having you look back on your, your life and then looking ahead. So it's really, it's really interesting. And so they just released the vault, if you will, because when you're done, you put it in the vault, you seal it, it goes away, it's done. You do not get to see it again until it comes around. They open up the vault, quote unquote, again. You can go in and look at your old answers from all the past years. So it's fascinating to see like who I was coming back from my road trip last year. And I think after you go a couple of years, you start to realize the predictions you have for your life. get They go from super grandiose, and this is kind of sad, right. super grandiose to like – I hope that I'm just okay. (laughs) So that's a really... Getting older is just how it goes. It's kind of a bummer. But I'm looking forward to filling it out this year because I read my my vault stuff, uh, you know, two days ago when it first opened. I think we're on day two at this point. Um, Nothing. Nothing about podcasts. Nothing about anything. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I hope to write more. And which I've done all of those things. So at the very least, it's like, 
I'm at least doing the bare minimum of what I expected myself to do. Um, and yeah, you just start to get rid of people in your life that it's so weird, you know, that they're all there and people are just around and your life is so different. And at that time I just got promoted too. And I'm like, I don't really know what this is. And yeah, so it's been a wild year and you guys have experienced 30 weeks of that, which is kind of fucking rad and weird and cool. And we're going to do it for another 30 and another 30 and then probably another four and then it's over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that's it. So 10Q, just, uh, the website's doyou10q.com or just type in 10Q to Google, but it's, it's worth it. I think it'll be really fun. You don't really have to put that much effort into it and you forget about it. And then a year later, they email you and say, Hey, your 10Q's up straightforward text, send it, it disappears and you're done. So super cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So that is the end of the episode. Um, yeah, really thought this was going to run down. I thought we were going to be racing the clock. What's the percent? 31%. All right. Well. (laughs) So when I was hyping up the max batteries, it's true. I've turned up the the light all the way. Couldn't couldn't do anything. Like an apple. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's Apple, right? It's not like Apple is the brand, right? For a second, I was just like, (laughs) is it called Macintosh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You are so out of this world. I'm so tired. Yeah, this is uh, an Apple brand. Apple's the brand, but it's also – this is a Mac I know. Book. I think – and then I was also like, what's the I for all the time then? <laughs> Maybe it's a company that starts with I. Is oh, it called Steve no. Jobs? It's been a very long week. <laughs> Steve Jobs presents the – The phone? <laughs> uh, the incredible – that's what I stands for. Oh. Incredible Macintosh. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if – there is something to do with it. Maybe. I actually don't know. Yeah, what is the I for? Why have we never asked this question? Why is I zombie? Yeah. And they're just... I mean, that's the best question because that's a really dumb name for a show that's pretty cool. <laughs> and it makes me sad. It is kind of a dumb name. Yeah. I mean, it made me not want to watch it. Yeah. And I'm not usually that kind of person. I mean, that's not I mean, true. I would think this is I didn't listen to Vampire Weekend for oh, 10, yeah. like, years because... <laughs> Because I thought it was a dumb name, uh, and it's so good, and iZombie's really good. Yeah. That just goes to show you, you should really consider your branding. <laughs> when you said well, something that's on the true, world. but you should also do it kind of as the point of this podcast, which is to break out of that. I know. Mindset. Which you have. You watched iZombie. I you did. Su- you are a success story. I mean, I listened to Vampire Weekend a long time and ago. you listened to Vampire so. Weekend. So if you – how about this? For all everybody out there, go find a record or a movie or something that you thought was the dumbest shit on Earth, based on the name alone, based on the name alone, or the With box no art, or whatever, evidence. yeah, and delve into it because you might find that it's shit, but at least you get to say it's shit with the knowledge that you actually know it's shit. True, that's the point. You know, you see "Knocked Out Loaded" on the shelves. That album looks like shit. It is shit. <laughs> Good. Then that that bolsters your uh, your sniffers. Yeah. You know, you're able to sniff out what's going on for the future. So that's good. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta practice that. So listen to Knocked Out Loaded, then you'll know what true pits of despair are. But and somebody to... in the internet, tell us what the I stands for in I everything. I mean, we can Google it, obviously, but it, I really need someone on Twitter to tell me. No, we will safari it. <gasps> we will Netscape it. We will Netscape it. They won the internet wars. Okay, one out of 504 I've deleted. Maybe someday. <laughs> Goodbye, maybe someday. You will live on forever on our website. You tried to not put Call Me Maybe on the playlist. Oh, my God. I corrected no, 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 that no, immediately. No, no, no. I did not even. <laughs> I didn't even know. Didn't even know. That was the first thing I thought about. No way. And I was so sad when I, I listened to it today. It was so 
pleasurable. Right? <laughs> it's such a great song. I know. She came out with a new album yeah, like yeah. last really year-ish. Like yeah. yeah. People think people said it's really great. Yeah. She's like the Kelly Clarkson of this Kelly generation. Kelly Clarkson has a new record coming out. Oh, my God. I don't know shit about Kelly Clarkson. Okay. One out of 504. 392. 10. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right. So 392. These numbers seem so large, but really, there's so many songs. Oh, yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, this is something we've actually referenced on here on our Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, a song from New Morning, 1970, called Went to See the Gypsy. Hmm. When I referenced um, Danny talking about how she went to go see the Gypsy oh, right. and I told her that her uh, she would never have kids again. Right, right. So Wait, that was gyp- number 392? That was 392, oh, okay. so we're not doing that. Although that song is pretty rad. I enjoy that. No, we got 10. Right. This is really early. What's going on? <laughs> same record. <laughs> Wait, same record as this 80s no, song? No, same record as New Morning. So we got two New Mornings. Uh, I'd rather listen to When to See the Gypsy. We are listening to a song called If Dogs Run Free. What? Okay. Oh, I guess there is a, a bootleg series cut of it. So at least we'll have two of them. Yeah. Do you want to guess how many times he's played this live? Zero? Zero. Okay. <laughs> it's like a weird... Actually, you might actually kind of like it. Maybe I will too. It's like a weird... Uh, there's like acapella and snapping. Oh, man. It's one of like a, it's like a scat song. Oh, yeah, man. there might be a per, if, I, if I'm thinking correctly, and I might not be, and I'll cut all this out if I'm not. I think somebody in the back is going, skiddly doo pa Oh, no. Yeah, oh, yeah. no. It's going to be fucking great. Oh, now I'm kind of stoked. Oh, God. We can have a dog playlist. Ruff, ruff. Primus has a song that goes, too many puppies, not being shot in the dark, which is very sad, but it's about war, not actual puppies. Fuck yeah, this playlist is going to rock. We will see you. Uh, no mix of confusion next week because this is the final week. Everything is shifting in work world and all that kind of stuff. So we want to give it our full attention. So when we do come back two weeks from now, we will talk about the Queens of Stone Age. We'll talk about Tim Barry. So if you like any of those things or have any other suggestions, we can fill in the time. You are listening to this live. Look at the date on there. It's roughly the time. So if you are close to that time in time sphere, oh you can – Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook, and we will be there because we're, we are sharing the same time. When you're listening to this, we're living. Talk to us. You're listening to us from the past, in the present, and we're talking about the future. It's all together. Good night. Bye.